Good morning and welcome to ASL's HR in 10 at 10. I'm Jason Perry and I'm Kimberly Bradshaw and we're going to bring you up to date on what's been going on in the world of employment law and HR. Lots of juicy stuff this week. There is. We, do you know that that lovely name of Pimlico Plumbers pops up so often in employment law, doesn't it? And absolutely. Most recently, no jab, no job. Yes, but historically, <laughs> probably best known as one of the uh, gig economy. Um, I was about to say employers. I am going to say employers um, because they didn't think they were, but. Um... <laughs> That's why I pulled the face. It's like, really? That's yeah. what you think? Yes. Well, they, they turned out they were, wasn't it? They lost the case on that and uh, their people um, gained employment rights. Exactly. And, you know, this speaks so much to the importance of defining who a worker is. You yes. know, some employers find it really difficult. I think some organisations uh, turn a blind eye on purpose, shall we say, mm. in order to not have the, the liability of employers. But, you know, like we found with Uber not so long ago, they've absolutely been shown that they are employees. Yes. Yeah. So what's happened that's really interesting this week, if, if you've not followed the Supreme Court rulings, um, is an individual who worked for um, Pimlico Plumbers, and actually quite some years ago, I think it was 2007 to 2011, if I recall correctly. Five to 11. 2005 to 2011. Yeah. Um, he worked for them. Um, they thought he was self-employed. Um, and he has taken several tribunal cases to try and claim for holiday pay during the period he was with them. And each time he's failed, and he's failed at the tribunal, and he's failed at the Employment Appeals Tribunal. But the Supreme Court think differently, don't they? They do. They've overruled the previous rulings, and he is indeed entitled to his backdated holiday pay. Yes. Um, and what's really caught my attention on this is there is a, um, a small piece of legislation the government brought in a few years ago that effectively meant an individual could not make a claim for more than two years of backdated holiday pay. And the Supreme Court appear to have ignored that and said, no, he can claim all of it. Yes. And, you know, that's great for him and great for his persistence. Um, I think what this is going to do, though, is it's going to open the floodgates. Mm. Absolutely, uh, people are uh, you know applying for their holiday pay. Yeah. It's going. It could cost some businesses a huge amount of money. Well, you've got to remember the reason the government put that two-year limit in was to try and reduce the ability to have massive historic claims that could ultimately destroy an employer. Um, mm. And if that's removed, we might actually see some companies fail on historic cases. Yeah, exactly. Uh, obviously, I think you mentioned, didn't you, that there needs to be a judicial review before it, that can be overturned completely. Well, the, the interesting thing at the moment is the Supreme Court appear to have done this. Yeah. Um, in order, the, the question now, arguably, is, is the government's two-year restriction legal? And in order to, to decide whether a government law is legal, it, it, I understand, has to go to judicial review. So mm. it's quite a complicated piece, but a really interesting one to watch for anyone who's interested in law and particularly employment law. 
Absolutely. Landmark case, yeah. this one. So, as we had a landmark case last week. <laughs> a few of them at the moment. So in terms of this mostly affects people who are, um, shall we say, trying to use people on a self-employed basis or a worker basis when they ought to be employees. But do you think it's got any consequences for employers? Well, yes, it absolutely does. There's so many different things. And actually, what was going through my head when you were saying that was, you know, there's a very clear list of who is, it goes back to what I was saying about who are workers and who are not. Um, you know, an employee is deemed to be an employee. They don't have to be employed but if they're you know using company vehicle wearing branded goods having mm. an email address you know that kind of thing uh, so that's what there are a range of tests mind. yeah 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 but the interesting thing is for somebody who is um let's say legitimately employed they believe they're an employee the employer believes they're an employee they normally get paid holiday pay if they don't take all their holiday pay, has this changed anything, do you think, about their ability to make a claim? Because I think there's something in there, when you read the wording of it, about helping to make sure that all your people know that their entitlement to take holiday. And if you don't allow them to take holiday, I think this has opened up claims there potentially as well. Yes. Do you think it will make any difference to, just a thought on the spot, um, to companies saying that you, if you don't use your holiday within the calendar year, you lose it? I don't think it will, but that also I, just popped into yeah, my mind. I don't think it will, because that's kind of written into the face of the working time regulations, because yeah. it's not a, a, let's say, a paid benefit. It's a use it or lose it entitlement for health and safety, as it were. So I don't think that's a risk, but I think if you prevent people from taking it um, or you don't communicate to them, share with them fully what their rights are to take it, I think there could be a risk. So yeah. um, I'm going to pop that favourite phrase up there, employee, employee engagement. engagement. Get that right, none of this comes to hurt you. And I, I think that's the key thing there. It's our favourite word, isn't it? It is. Should we do more on that around benefits and rewards? Let's, yes, let's talk about the employee engagement you can achieve with the right benefits and rewards package. Yes, I mean, before we go into that, I want to preface it with some research. I think it was by Gallup um, quite a few years ago now, and they um, surveyed what employees most rated in terms of their benefits and reward and then what employers thought their employees rated and salary was something like first second or third for what employers thought employees wanted for employees it was 14th yeah and it's dropping isn't it it is yeah um, it is it, it's interesting because i still think it's the big one people look at when looking to apply for a job or looking to get hired. I think it's still one of the key markers there. But we've seen so much over the past year about how companies or how individuals value an employer that cares about the environment or cares about the mental health and well-being of their people. And those things are really big. Um, and as long as your salary is in the right range, those things take precedent over a little bit more salary. 
Yes, I mean, I think the reason we brought it up today was the survey by MetLife of 1,200 mm. of their employees and found that half would be happy to reduce their pay in exchange for tailored benefits. Yes. And, you know, benefits can be quite a cost-effective way mm. of becoming an employee employer of choice. Very much. And improving engagement. So, you know, I think that's really important for employers to look at going forward. Yeah. And it's finding the right benefits. And, you know, that word tailored was in there. And it's working out what your people want. And it's going to vary based on location, age mm. range, um, mm. so many other factors, isn't it? So how, how do you start to get this one right, Kimberly? Well, for me, it's talking to your employees and finding out what it is they want. Ah, employee um, engagement. Funnily enough, yes. Look at what's, and then, you know, having collated that data, what is, uh, you know, what are the things that are possible? Mm. You know, we know quite a few benefit providers who great offer some great solutions. Um, but, you know, you can't please everybody. So, again, it goes back to employee engagement and say, well, you know, we could offer you cash back on things like doctor's appointments or opticians, uh, but we, or glasses or, you know, mental health counselling, whatever it is. But unfortunately, we couldn't fit um, gym membership in there. Uh, and yep. this is why. So yep. provided you talk to people, they'll, because if you ask them and then don't tell them, mm. that's almost as bad as not asking them in yeah, the first yeah. instance, isn't it? Yes. Um, and, you know, this survey said, was it 74% said they'd work harder yes. if they had in individualised yes. benefits? Yeah. And I think for an awful lot of people now, you know, um, working in town centres, for example, um, something on travel or car parking would probably be a really big one when you look at you know, how that's changed in just a yeah. few short years. Exactly. And also those that have a you know, lovely office in a remote area or a, um, you know, an industrial estate type thing, business site, um, you know, they don't necessarily have lunch options so yes. you know maybe you could organize for somebody to come around with a sandwich yeah, yeah. part yeah. there's so many things you there can are. do do you know about all oh, pre-covid we ran a seminar at the sussex exchange on an employer of choice perhaps we should revisit that when we actually get back into real world meetings and uh, take that one all over again but and that actually feels like a possibility for about the first time in two I years i know doesn't, doesn't it? it just yes but for now um, HR in 10 has been going for 10 and a half. So um, I think we've done enough for today, Kimberly. Excellent. Well, goodbye. Look forward to seeing you all next week. Thanks for watching. See you next week. Bye-bye.